And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. She shall be called woman. Welcome to the Creation Today Show. I am your host, Eric Hovind. What is biblical womanhood? Amazingly, this question creates lots of confusion, both inside and outside of the church. On one side, we have the ultra-feminist movement that wants to reject any tie to biblical understanding of womanhood. On the other side, we've got the chauvinists who see women as subservient to men. In the middle, our culture seems to have, have lost or rejected the expressive terms for woman like gentle, meek, helpmate. And now today, many in our culture can't even answer the question, what is a woman? So where does the balance lie? What is the truth? What is biblical womanhood? Women who are naturally born women are being stripped of their rights. And now you've got women or men competing in women's sports. You get dudes in the women's bathroom, in the locker rooms. Being submissive, in other words, it's not a role. It's a character trait. It's just like being humble, being meek, being kind. Those are all character, character traits, right? I think being submissive should really be a character trait that all Christians should have. Womanhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. What it means to be a woman is to be like Christ. Having a biblical understanding of womanhood is very important because so much of the brokenness we see today stems from a misunderstanding of womanhood. And that misunderstanding, Eric, has partly caused us Christians to fail in the culture war. Welcome to the Creation Today Show, where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word, the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. I want to welcome all of my Creation Today partners out there. Guys, I'm really thankful to be hanging out with you today. Uh, I'm also very excited to welcome several new of our partners here. So, uh, man, Barbara, Andrew, Amber, Gary, uh, Jonathan, Dennis, uh, Mary, Scott, Tony, I love you, buddy. William, uh, man, just great to have Rodney. Great to have all you guys on here joining me. Uh, we're, we're actually being joined by a lot of new partners uh, recently, and I just want to shout out to them real quick. It's just, I'm just so thankful to have you guys on our team. What a blessing to have each one of you laboring with us, okay? So to Stephen and Vanessa and Lisa and Courtney and Rex and Candy and Ruth and Eric, now that's a good name right there, and to Karen and Thomas and to David and uh, Simone and Giandre and Linda and John and Daniel and Christy and another Linda and Kathy and Randy and Kelly and Scott and Chris and another Kathy and Kenneth and another Lisa. We're going to have a lot of Lisas on this team. Guys, thank you. When we are praying that we can get enough of our little ripples together in this life that they'll combine to impact eternity with a tsunami. And that's kind of what we're going for. Uh, shout out to all of you guys on our social media, on YouTube or on Facebook, as well as our podcast listeners and television listeners. If you're new to the Creation Today show, we are just some individuals that are on a mission to disciple the whole world one person at a time. And our goal in doing that, or how we do it, is by turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones on people's journey to know the truth. 
So thank you for peeking into the Creation Today community for this conversation. If you ever want to join our community and make a difference with us, come on over to creationtoday.org. Okay, you guys are in for a real treat today. This is going to be uh, encouraging, uh, enlightening, um, and I pray that it is both a challenge and a blessing to your life. My guests for today's conversation are a husband-wife team that are being used by God to influence the lives of literally millions of people for the glory of God. Uh, they're the creators of Soul Refiner, an online portal that gives people access to some of the most uh, requested, highest quality Christian content that heals the soul. I mean, from the Congress series to Warpath and everything in between, Soul Refiner is actually showing people how to realign their life and how it was meant to be lived for the glory of God. In 2020, they were on the Creation Today show to discuss the sexual holocaust that is destroying America. And in 2021, because he has a passion for Noah's Ark research, uh, he and I discussed flood legends from around the world. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome my guests back to the show, Jeremy and Tiana Wiles. Hey guys, great to have you back. Hi. Good to see you, Eric. <laughs> you guys are amazing. I, I, oh, I love on. your life. I love your work. You're, you're truly an amazing couple. Uh, remind everybody real quick how you met, because this is so cool. <laughs> well, we were in a jungle of all places, and uh, she was there baking some bread. <laughs> baking some bread on a rock. No. We were both filmmakers, and you were a filmmaker in America. I was living in Denmark at the time, and we were filming a documentary in the jungle of the Philippines because I was doing a documentary, you were doing a documentary, we kind of merged our projects. Yeah. And I was baking bread. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit of jungle fever, Eric. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, we lived in a tribe, so yeah. yeah. In the Philippines, the Philippines zone. You guys really have, though. God has used you guys to come together, not just uh, to create two beautiful children already, but to influence the lives of a whole lot of people through your research, resources on Soul Refiner, which if you're, if, guys, if you don't already know about Soul Refiner, please go to soulrefiner.com and check out the work that they're doing. Get on their email list, get their updates. Oh, by the way, your latest update to me that you just sent out, I was, guys, I was... I was blown away. You shared the quotes from Dennis Prager, the founder of Prager University, that shocked me. He said about pornography, Dennis Prager said, men want variety. If pornography is a substitute for one's wife, it's awful. If it's a substitute for adultery, it's not awful. And then he said, the bedroom might be the place for uh, the unholy or the non-holy to express itself because I believe that we are created in the image of God and animals image. Wow. That's uh, the justification for pornography, right? Yeah. And what did Jesus say? If anyone, if anyone looks at a woman with lustful intent, he's committed adultery with her in his heart. He raised the standard. And unfortunately, uh, under the law, you're still abiding by the law, which is the behavior. It's based on behavior. And Jesus said, it's not, not just the behavior, it's the heart. It's the heart. Yeah. He raised the standard. And I think right there where Eric was saying image, the key word there is image. I think the image of God has been attacked by Satan from the beginning of time, yeah. and he attacked it in marriage. He attacked it 
when Adam and Eve became one flesh. And, and that's what we're seeing here in this whole debate on, on womanhood, its image, identity. That's right. Um, I, um, real quick, if you guys don't know, uh, one of the, one of the series that they did, well, Soul Refiner, how many people has Soul Refiner been able to influence around the world? I know just with the one Congress series, it's been several million men have gone through that. Um, what, what, what kind of responses are you seeing and, and how, how far have you guys gotten to go? Because you're trying to help the church. Maybe we're yeah. calling Well, there's tens of thousands of churches that have gone through the Conquer series, something like 60,000. And so wow. Soul Refiner, a lot of people move from, from Conquer series and the Warpath. They go into Stronger Together series. We have a marriage. Um, yeah. They use Legacy series. So And now we're, um, we're releasing a brand new series for the women uh, on betrayal, sexual betrayal, and called Promity Ashes. And there's also another one on marriage called Happily Even After. So it's all the dirty subjects, Eric, <laughs> the things that people don't like to talk about. Exactly. Right? <laughs> well, but we need it. It's, it's almost it's the elephant that's been in the room for decades that is kind of the hush subject. I've got personal friends that have dealt with unbelievable heartache, unbelievable disaster. I got a, a friend right now who, who, man, I mean, if I told you the story, you'd be like, wow, you talk about betrayal. It's unbelievable. So thank you guys for saying we're going to tackle these these tough issues. Um, thank you. I and thank you for you being guys, there. <laughs> I asked you guys specifically to be part of this conversation on biblical womanhood because I do, like I said in the intro, I feel like We've gone from 100 years ago, the feminist movement rose up and uh, to, to combat, to kind of go against kind of the other side, the, 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 the people that were putting down women saying you have no role and nobody had, not many had the biblical stance of where it should be. And I really wanted to have that conversation with you guys, especially now that we don't even know what a woman is in culture. <laughs> right. I yeah. The, the identity of a woman is blurred, right? And so by rede redefining a woman, we're making a gender a, a relative term. Uh, so yeah. women who are naturally born women are being stripped of their rights, uh, their dreams, their safety. And now you've got m women or men competing in women's sports. You yes. got, you know, dudes in the women's bathroom, in the locker rooms. Yeah, it's crazy. I, crazy. I can say that this is such a, a broken landscape. If you look at the landscape today, there's just... So much insanity. I'm like, it's oh crazy. my goodness, we are at the end of the end times. When you look <laughs> at this, it's it's a mess. It's a huge mess. Um, but if you think about it, because you touched on the word feminism, how did feminism emerge? It emerged out of brokenness, out of this landscape of brokenness. And that brokenness, I mean, feminism is really, in essence, uh, a reaction to the misogynism female oppression, male dominance and abuse has been going on for millennia. We're talking about millennia. And if you look at this group of feminists, the majority of them are what? They're hurt women. And hurt women are what? They're weaponized. They're like, I'm not going to let abuse happen to me ever again. Um, but the problem is the reaction is negative. It's negative. Even though the intent is we've got to protect ourselves, it, 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 it was very detrimental to, to culture. Because what happened? What did the feminists do? Uh, they they promoted what LGBT the yeah. LGBT movement. now transgenderism. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and so that hard thing, Eric. Yeah, exactly. So the next thing is it's moving towards pedophilia. Wow, I think it's going to go from you know gay marriage 
to transgenderism to pedophilia. Legalizing it. Yeah. That's what Judith Reisman told us. And Judith Reisman yeah. was, I mean, oh my goodness, when she was alive, she fought Kinsey. She fought, sorry, yeah. Playboy and won. And she was the one who exposed the whole Kinsey Institute yeah. thing on, on uh, sexual, the sexual revolution. And so she was telling us, and this was 12 years ago, that they are in the process of legalizing pedophilia. And she told us, you wait and see. Step by step, they are doing it. This is strategic. Yeah. Now, I've yeah. got some of you guys out there watching that are like, there's no way that's not going to happen. But think about it. Would you ever have dreamed that men would begin to dominate women's sports and the whole world go, yeah, this is... But I saw this clip on Instagram and I thought, oh my goodness. I am I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Ken, do you have that clip from Instagram? Watch this. You guys hit the nail on the head from the from the bathrooms to the uh, to the to the courts, to the tracks, to the uh, to the swimming, to everywhere. It's and I, I didn't make that video clip. I just saw that. But I'm like, oh, my goodness, they're uh, they're trying to kind of have fun at. Oh, white man got back. But the reality is we're, we're facing a real problem here. And you're right. They're, they're not going to call it pedophilia. They're already they got a new term for it. Minor attracted. It doesn't sound as bad. I, as. Oh, my goodness. Okay. That's all no, you're just you're just minor attracted. That's just who you are. So I was thinking about this and I was like, the only way, because they're contradictory. I mean, there, there's, you know, the L and the G go against the T, right? I mean, the L and the G said for decades, it's hardware. You were born this way. This is the way you are. The T says, no, wow, it's great point. You're, you're not born this way. It's just whoever yeah. you want to oh, be. So right. those are at odds with each other. The Q, I, I, Bodie Bakken was the one who kind of said this in his book. The Q goes against everything because now that the gay marriage is legalized and transgenderism is normalized, Q stands for queer, which means anything but normal. So now Q has to reject the LG and the T. So wow. it's just, it's crazy. What a world It's so contradictory. Think. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, having a biblical understanding of womanhood is very important because so much of the brokenness we see today stems from a misunderstanding of womanhood. And that misunderstanding, Eric, has partly caused us Christians to fail in the culture war. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you went through feminism and how feminism is a reaction against the misogyny, against the bad, against the other side. But it doesn't seem like it came and balanced out in the middle with biblical womanhood. I'm, I'm, by the way, I am curious, does the Bible land on one side or the other? Or does it give us like a different path? I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about that. Uh, but what we have this response to feminism of uh, feminism and then where did it go from there and continue to go off course week. what was the question eric where did <laughs> feminism go off course yeah well it, we it seems like it's going off course in multiple directions at the same time i mean uh, but yeah what are some of the other ways it's gone off course here it started with feminism uh years ago but that was in response to women getting hurt what where else has it gone off course? What else has happened? Really, I think the root of it is in the church because, I mean, if you look at what's going on in the church, women have been under attack for a long, long time while men in the church have been silent, right? So it wasn't until dudes in dresses uh, invaded women's sports and women's bathrooms and started representing uh, their favorite beer and razors and whatever else 
that, you know, we're like, hey, what's going on here? But for years, you've got women who are oppressed, abused, silenced, and we've rarely seen this level of boycotting, like what we see today, this strong stance that's being taken. Um, so, but on the other side is you got a church full of men who are supporting pornography. Wow. We know that 70% of men in church are addicted to porn, according 70%. to these numbers. Yeah. So, so in other words, men are like, okay, uh, Christian men are like, I, I'm not going to support that beer company. I'm not going to give my money to them, but I'm going to give my money to the porn industry. Yeah. <laughs> what, what they're actually really mad about is uh, this girly dude in a dress showing up drinking their beer. Right. And yeah. if, but if you truly valued women, you would have valued them long before a dude in a dress showed up drinking Bud Light. Yeah. I've, I've got to say one thing, though. I am very, very blessed to have a husband like Jeremy because- this guy empowers me. This guy right. encourages me, and he gives me a platform to speak not just to women but to men as well. And he he recognizes that in me, and and that's that's rare. I I've spoken to a lot of women, and and they don't have that kind of relationship in their marriages. So yeah, well, you know. So well, I first of all, congratulations, Jeremy. Uh, he the find of the yeah. wife, not a good thing if it's a good wife, and you definitely yeah, got a good one, one man. It's. What a, what a, honestly, what you guys have done together by, by seeing who you are in Christ and saying, Hey, we're going to exalt, we're, we're going to submit to one another and exalt one another at the same time by doing that, but exalt what Christ in us. It really truly is amazing to watch what, what you've done. How, how can, how can Christian men, how can we see, see women from the biblical perspective? Well, we, we got to start valuing women from a biblical perspective. Um, a few weeks ago, I was at a men's event in Arkansas, and there were a thousand men in attendance. We took a survey, uh, 457 men responded. The other half chose not to participate for obvious reasons because the survey was on uh, sexual integrity related issues. Wow. Uh, but the survey revealed of those 457 respondents that over half watched pornography, right? 70% are resorting to masturbation on a regular basis. Like I said, it's no surprise. We know 70% are watching porn in the church. But the majority of Christian men objectify women. So they become an object of their lust. How is it possible for Christian men to understand the biblical value of a woman when they're treated as objects? Because when you consume porn, uh, which obviously degrades women, you're really not in a moral position to defend against transgenderism because you can't defend what you don't value, exactly. right? So when you watch porn, you're complicit in this abuse, this oppression, this object, objectification of women. So, you know, considering that over 70% of Christian men watch porn, the message that we tell our wives is that their value is based on their performance. Wow. So I would say, like, you know, you, you've hit the nail on the head there with objectification because um, the objectification of women doesn't just happen in the world. It happens a lot in the church. We just right. don't talk about it. We're just very quiet about it. It's not until you have some kind of a disaster like your the friends that you were talking about, in which my heart goes out to them, um, that we're like, oh, oh, gosh, <laughs> you know, we've been failing at this. Um, I feel like when it comes to the objectification of women, we just quietly accept it in church. And that's why hypocrisy tends to 
flourish in so many churches, you know. And I would say another indicator besides porn um, and church, you know, is objectification of women is dom domestic violence. We don't realize that um, there's a survey done somewhere where uh, domestic violence is more frequent in Christian homes than in non-Christian homes. Can you no believe that? No way. Yeah. And the reason is because many Christian homes, especially fundamental evangelical homes, they embrace this traditional role structure of the man as a dominant player. And the wife just has to be subservient. She has to submit to him. What happens then when she doesn't submit to him? What happens then when she starts pointing out his sins and defying him in certain ways to protect herself and our kids? Well, he wants to stand up and say, wait a minute, woman, you've got to submit to me. And when she doesn't, sometimes, and in these cases of you know uh, domestic violence, he uses physical control. He uses violence. Physical, physical abuse, emotional abuse, spiritual abuse. Eric, there was a, in our community here in Florida, uh, just recently, someone told us about an incident that happened in a school sporting event. And this man overheard a pastor um, on the soccer field threatening his wife. The baby, their baby was crying. And uh, this pastor tells her, um, you better make that baby stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. And so this guy overheard this and he confronts the pastor in, the, in defense of the woman. Uh, but it's actually rare to see men do this. Normally, you know, people just turn a blind eye. Uh, but the pastor, and it's not, you know, judgmental towards him, but he comes from this traditional evangelical fundamental background. Um, and I'm not say saying like all Christians are like this, but it's, it's more common than we realize. And often if it's not physical abuse, it's emotional and spiritual abuse, which really in some ways is far worse than physical abuse. And that's why I would say that um, having a Biblical understanding of womanhood, going back to that, is very important because what we think is Christ is often culture, okay, when wow. it comes to our treatment of women. Right. Yeah. Wow. Well, I know I've, I've certainly seen, I, I get on, I follow a lot of atheist blogs, and the atheists love to bring up every time there is any kind of, you know, uh, sin in the church. And now I, I always remind them, you shouldn't have a problem with this. I mean, it's kind of like, from 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 my perspective, I'm going. You can't even be against the LGBTQ movement. I say against. You can't be. You can't say that that is sinful or wrong if you're even if you're coming at it from a scientific perspective. Not unless we are made in the image of God. I mean, if we're animals, anything goes, man. Do whatever you want. Only if we're made in the image of God can you say, "Here's what's right. Here's what's supposed to be normal. Here's what's wrong. Here's what He says not to do." It's only possible in there. But yeah, I, I think of I think of the videos that I watch where I hear preaching that is like, you are not taking the whole counsel of God and delivering that to the flock. You are encouraging men to abuse their wives by simply quoting the one verse, well, submit, 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 without referencing all the times that it's like, well, what about submitting to each other? What about loving each exactly. other? Exactly. Like, what is that supposed to be? Like, loving your wife like Christ loves the church. I mean, he went to the point of death. That's pretty far. Exactly. Yeah, we love to go to that verse that says, uh, wives submit to your husbands. The verse right before it says, submit to one another. Yes. That's so easy to look over, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When people get an idea that they have an authority over something, a lot of times they take it as far as they can possibly go. People have seen this in the workplace. 
Yeah. Where, oh my goodness, you're just treating me like that because you're an authority and you can get away with it. Uh, I've seen it in, in like we've said, the church. I mean, honestly, some of these sermons that I've heard, I'm just like, it, it's it's shocking to me. Now, I am a quote, fundamentalist as far as I believe the fundamental truths of the Bible. But exactly. I think that word has gotten, gotten that label has been put on the the independent fundamental Baptist preacher that preaches against, you know, women pretty much other than sitting there yeah. being quiet, listening yeah. to their husbands and doing whatever their husbands say regardless. So um, anyway. Yeah, uh, because when this topic comes up in a certain group within the church, uh, this topic of biblical womanhood, um, you know, we we they automatically default to discussing if she's supposed to submit to him or not, right? That's yeah. like, no, we don't talk about her character. The, the <laughs> subject is biblical womanhood. We're like, well, is she supposed to submit to me or not? You know, what's about, that's a role. That's not character. Yeah. So why do we, why do we resort to discussing the role and not her character? And her character is not defined by the role. Her value is determined by who she is in Christ. So, wow. you know, if, if our default is whether she's under man or not, then we really don't see her. She's kind of like in, in his shadow. But as the church, we need her to be on the battlefield, you know, for the kingdom. Yeah. So, and I, I think, <laughs> you know, um, I guess being submissive, in other words, like you said, it, it's not it's not a role. It, it's a character trait. I guess just like being humble, being meek, being kind, those are all character character traits, right? Um, and I think being submissive should really be a character trait that all Christians should have. Because we yes. are told in Ephesians and First Peter that we should all have mutual submission to one another. That's the ideal. Okay, so I've got to let social media go here in just a minute. But before I do, give me real quick, what is biblical womanhood? Just define that for us or, or put that in a little box for us for a second. A good one. <laughs> okay, so my I had a, a good friend in Texas. You'll, you'll know who this guy is, Dr. Ed Cole. Um, I live down the street from him, uh, from his ministry. And he famously coined the phrase, manhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. I think the same is true for a woman. Wow. Womanhood and Christ-likeness are synonymous. What it means to be a woman is to be like Christ. When we look to him, that's what a woman should look like. I'm not saying Jesus is a woman. I'm saying he has the character of what a woman should be. And if I may just add to that, because I think it's so beautifully said, women, just like men, are created to be image bearers of God, right? So her greatest purpose in life is to be like Christ and to carry out what? The Great Commission wherever and however God wants to use her. So God is the one who determines his plans for her, not man, God first. That, so that is just a super simple, very clear way of looking at biblical womanhood. I mean, it just reminds me of back to Genesis. God said, let us make man in our image. So God created man in his own image. Male and female created he them. I mean, it's like, yeah. We are both made in the image of God. And that, what a, womanhood is Christ-likeness. That is a powerful, simplistic way to look at what real womanhood is. And no longer are we trying to make a woman uh, a certain outward demeanor. Uh, it gets to the character of who Christ is. That's, that's beautiful. Wow. That's right. And Eric, if we got this right in the church, 
culture will benefit from us. We yeah. can be salt and light. It all has to do with our alignment with God. When our alignment with God is right, everything else, the order goes in place. There's no man-made hierarchy. Right. But the church likes to make a hierarchy. Because, yeah. you know, and I don't know how you feel about this, Eric, but when you go back and read in Genesis, um, you know, it says that God made Adam a suitable helper. Well, yes. That doesn't mean that he made a servant, right? It means he's not complete and he needs help. So what we typically do in the church is say, well, she's my helper. You know, she's just, I got some things that she's got to get done. Uh, but what the scripture is really saying is he needs help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he I needs did. some help. <laughs> God gave me exactly what I needed and I'm so thankful. Oh my goodness. I definitely need all the help I can get. Uh, wow. <laughs> That's right. And I am blessed, man. My wife and I, we got to, I mean, we were just last night passing out tracks last night. And I'm just like, how incredible is this to be able to serve God, share the gospel, raise a family um, with an amazing woman who loves God and wants, hey. wants to see his character come through in her life. I mean, that is, and I know not everybody, not every man out there has that. Not every woman has a guy like Jeremy, okay, Tiana, that, that is just <laughs> the most awesome guy in the world that just is, it really has his head screwed on straight and understands this stuff. No. So, uh, so Tiana and I are blessed. We know that. All right. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I am thankful that God is at work in my life through my wife. And I hope that God is at work in my wife's life through me as we try to leave. But yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, my dad used to say it, well, he said it at my wedding because he did my wedding. God didn't make uh, Eve out of the foot for Adam to rule over, didn't make her out of the head to rule over him, made him out of the side so they could together serve. It was literally a togetherness that they're supposed to be walking in. And I, I, I agree. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. It's not like, hey, Eve, you got took a bone out of me. Now you owe me. Pay up. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, Eric, since you brought that up, a lot of those, uh, a lot of the argument behind that is that God took the rib, right? But the Hebrew word there is salah. It doesn't mean rib. It means side. Uh, so according to Exodus, as an example, God told Moses to make four gold rings for the Ark of the Covenant, two rings on one side, Salah, of it, and two rings on the other side. And so God is, he's taking, he takes one Salah from the man to make the woman, and Eve comes from an entire side of Adam's body, not a single rib. So I think he's, I think she comes from the side, not a rib, when you really interpret it the way it should be. I have not words, heard that before. I just oh, knew so, from science, there's one rib that will grow back if you take it out, the lower rib. And I'm like, see, the Bible's got it. Okay, I got to look at that a little closer <laughs> then. What is the reality of that? That's that's a that's a powerful thought. The side of yeah. Adam. Like the, the whole, like the left side or the right side? Or like, do we know? Is it the emotional <laughs> side? Is that the one that it was? I'm just kidding. Um, was, I don't know. I, okay, I'm, I'm curious about know. that. Yeah, it's worth digging into. Uh, it's something that I recently learned because then later it talks about uh, flesh from my flesh. Well, that's more than just a bone. That's so, true. Interesting. Okay, I got to look into that more because I've always thought rib. I've thought lower rib took one rib. Okay, I got to, I, I don't know how much more we could learn about that, but I definitely got to look into that.
Okay, I want to get into uh, a little bit more of this. I want to show you an app that um, I just came across on Instagram. Uh, I'll show you that to you here in just a minute. Uh, but Facebook, YouTube, uh, and our podcast audience and television audience, I need to let you guys go. So sorry to cut you off right in the middle right here. But um, if you want to join us for the rest of the conversation, come on over to creationtoday.org and partner with us. You can partner with us for any amount you want. It just lets your little ripple and our little ripple come together. And we're literally trying to have a sizable impact in eternity. We want it to be a tsunami. So uh, so if you want to join with us, come on over to creationtoday.org and partner with us. Uh, you get access to everything we do, past, present, and future through your partnership. And uh, I certainly do appreciate you joining with us to try to do the work that we are called to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel and teach. That means make disciples, which is really what it's all about. So help us come along the church, uh, along and help the church be what the church is called to be. Next week, I'm having a conversation uh, about science experiments. I'm a guy who loves science. And uh, next week, we're going to be doing some crazy fun science that you guys should be able to enjoy uh, this summer. Science experiments you can do uh, with your kids or uh, if you're still a kid like me, just do them yourself. Okay, have a great time. But some things you can do this summer with science to teach your kids about God and his word. So we'll be uh, live at noon on Wednesday next week for that. Awesome. Okay.